Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Bundesliga show. Uh, match day 25 review here on a Monday night. We are live on YouTube, uh, brought to you by Over the Bar. Um, and it's the first first ever show of, of us both broadcasting from the, the British Isles. Uh, so, Mark, you're over in your hometown. What does it feel like? Yeah, it's an incredible feeling. Like when I first arrived on Friday, I felt like I was like a foreigner, literally, you know, here. Yeah, it was really, it was really kind of weird. I don't know to hear English like being spoken everywhere. And, but yeah, I think uh, Saturday, I actually went, I got to a football game, a local football game, Salford v. Forest Green, actually. Yeah. So, Johnny B, if you're watching, yeah, I was pretty impressed with your team on Saturday. Yeah. Met up with a, a few mates to see that game. So, yeah, that kind of got me back in the swing of things and caught up with a few friends. And yeah, it's been really nice to be back and everything. Thing. so yeah lovely lovely stuff so uh, obviously it's nice to have uh obviously you marking well just over the pennines really from me yeah. uh, so not mm. not uh you know distance too far on this occasion uh but of course we do have um bundesliga football to turn our attentions to um of course this uh this video and this monday night show is in partnership with our good friends bundesliga boxes um brilliant company that um we share a partnership with um so make sure that you get yourselves over to their website to go check out their latest release of shirts uh, as they uh, produce mystery and authentic german football t-shirts uh obviously you have no idea what you're gonna get you could end up with a kind of mainstream Bundesliga team or you could end up with a you know regional league aside or anything like that so obviously go check them out and please you know like comment and subscribe uh, to the channel comment along if you're watching on Twitter just pop over to YouTube and, and join us for a bit of a chat uh, we always prioritize questions that come in over anything that we're doing anyway uh, we always like to get people involved so Again, even if you don't feel like you know much about the Bundesliga, just shout up and we will answer your questions or join in a bit of a debate. Um, so uh, over to you, Mark. So let's go through the scores and then get into the featured four. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, yeah, starting off on the Friday evening, yeah, we had a pretty shot 1-0 win for Augsburg in that battle of the bottom away in Bielefeld, a massive three points for them. Moving on to Saturday, yeah, they kind of, Battle of the first versus third teams ended in a one-all draw. Probably Leverkusen will be the happier of the two teams, which we'll mention a bit more later. Leipzig with a last-minute equaliser at home to Freiburg, denying Freiburg what would have been a famous win, really, you know. But still, decent point for Freiburg there. Keeps them in the top four race. Wolfsburg with, you know, a kind of flashback to last season kind of win, really, wasn't it? With a 1-0 win, looking mm -hmm. very steady against Union Berlin. Hertha Berlin continuing their absolutely abject run of form, especially at home with another battering, this time at home against Frankfurt 4-1. Bolkham with another continuing their impressive home form, now mid-table Bolkham really, let's be honest, with a 2-1 win over very likely to be relegated Greuther Furt. Then, yeah, game of the weekend really, wasn't it? Stuttgart with a 3-2 win over Gladbach, which we'll 
look in more detail later. Then, yeah, the only game on Sunday was actually, uh, yeah, maybe people would have expected more goals in this, but it was a 1-0 win for Hoffenheim in Köln, but a very, very important 1-0 win for Hoffenheim, which actually pushes them up to fourth place in the Bundesliga table now, because obviously the, the news, I think it actually came in on a Friday that the game was postponed between Mainz and Dortmund due to COVID outbreak in the Dortmund camp, which is quite ironic, really, because it's the only game that's been postponed for COVID this season. So I think that there were rumours that Bayern were a little bit cheesed off with this decision, actually, because obviously they were forced to play a couple of games earlier on in the season with... Mm -hmm quite heavily weakened teams as a result of a COVID outbreak, whereas Dortmund, you know, suffering their kind of first major outbreak, got their game postponed. So a bit of controversy as well on that front. But yeah, that game will be replayed on Wednesday, the 16th of March. So we don't have too much longer to wait until that game will be played. So yeah, that kind of recaps week 25's results. So yeah, let's swiftly, without further ado, move on to the OTB's featured four, which is obviously where we pick the four best games of the weekend and we count them down from four down to number one. So yeah, let's have a look. Uh, yeah, fourth place, Bayern Munich versus Bayer Leverkusen. Yeah, I think most people thought this would be top of the list really this weekend, didn't they? Obviously a very, very highly built game, wasn't it? I mean, it was a game between, you know, probably what many people considered to be the best two teams in the Bundesliga this season, really. Obviously, last time they met, Bayern basically produced an absolute masterclass to destroy the away side 5-1. In fact, I think they were even 5-0 up at half-time in that game, actually, which was... Mm -hmm. But yeah, obviously, much, much improved performance from Leverkusen. And to be honest, having watched the game, many would have said they could have gone away with the three points, in all honesty. But obviously, the game actually got off to a really good start for the home side. It was kind of poor defending, really, wasn't it, from Leverkusen. They let the free kick kind of bounce around the box a little bit. I think there was a poked effort, I think, from Muller towards the goal, which was kind of cleared unconvincingly off the line, really. And the ball fell to that man, Nicholas Sula, who obviously is going to be leaving the club in the summer to join rivals Borussia Dortmund. He kind of hit like a kind of half volley, I would say, you know, against yeah. the ground. It ended up, hit a few bodies, hit the keeper along the way and ended up kind of being bundled into the back of the net. Really, Not the most beautiful goal you're going to see in the Bundesliga, that's for sure, but it was good enough to give uh, buying the lead, yeah. Then a little bit of a kind of, you know, not not the most entertaining period of play, but then the, uh, Leverkusen had a free kick on the far side, didn't they? which was really, really well whipped in, I think, by Demir Bay, yeah? yeah. Really well whipped in. One of those brilliant balls into the kind of no-man's land, as they call it, you know, between the, the, the kind of defensive line and the goalkeeper. And incredibly, it was that man, Thomas Muller, you know, obviously a man who's famous for getting goals and assists aplenty in the right end, actually kind of like ended up poking the ball past his own keeper, which was, you know, he was quite apologetic for that one because, you know, he realised it was a very poor mistake. You know, it was a very good ball in from Demir Bay, but it should have been dealt with better. Would you agree with that, Rory, that it should have been dealt with better, that one, or was it just a very good ball, do you think? But yeah, it was a good ball, but yeah, I think it's just communication breakdown there. Muller's obviously used to having a really loud and confident keeper behind in the shape of Manuel Neuer, and it's still uh, Sven Ulreich. Um, looks like Ulreich is ready there to, to collect the ball, and, and Muller obviously taps it home into an empty net because Ulreich's already come out for it. So yeah, a mixture of a good ball and a bit of uncertainty, which is quite unusual, obviously, for Bayern. Yeah, but then obviously 
before the half was over, I mean, Leverkusen missed an absolute sitter, really, to go in front. And it was that man of Pamicano, like, who didn't have the best of games, did he, really, in this one? He, he sold an absolutely horrible back pass, didn't he, to... Um, yeah, to, to the forward from um, yeah, Adley, I think it was. Yeah, who went around the keeper and he has a very, very good angle, let's be honest. You know, and he mm. kind of, it looks in all the way, in all honesty, but it kind of hits the inside of the post and doesn't quite go in, does it? But I mean, that's the kind of chance, you know, you're looking at that for Leverkusen and thinking that's a gimme really, isn't it? You've got to be scoring that one, yeah. Do you agree, Rory? Was that a terrible miss or was it just a bit unlucky, do you think? It was a poor miss, yeah. Mm. Um not much more to analyse about it. Just, yeah, it had a better angle than he probably realised and he rushed the chance. Um, so maybe a bit more composure and a bit more an experienced player might have put that in. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, obviously got into half time at one all. And then Rory, do you want to take us through the rest of the half? The, the, the second half, sorry. Yeah, sure thing. Um, it, it, again, obviously all the goals did come in the first half, but there was still plenty of action and energy Going, obviously, between the two teams, um, I think Musiala uh, tested uh, by a Leverkusen keeper, Haradecki, into a good save. Uh, Florian Wirtz also um, had an effort at the other end. So he kind of got an effort into the side netting from a cross. Um, but I think the main the main chance, I guess, of the second half was really a uh, substitute. And for me, rarely seen Marcel Sabitzer. Um mm. You know, came off the bench, a, a player that you know would have thought would have really flourished in this Bayern side. But you know, let's face it, even with all the injuries and and kind of breaks that Bayern have had, he's not really featured or, or starred much anyway. And it was his, his opportunity after being played through, made a really well timed run and was picked out one and one with Haradecki. And he uh, yeah, kind of fluffed his lines really. It was a good strike, mm-hmm. but a straight act. The keeper, so it was it was parried and well saved, and and then unfortunately we couldn't find the winner. But um, obviously, despite the scoreline being one one, it was still a fine at advertisement for the Bundesliga because it was really end to end stuff. Um, obviously, it could have been well more than one one if you take into account certainly the the chance for Amin Adley and and obviously for Sabitzer and a few other ones here and there. Um, so yeah, one-one, good result for Leverkusen. I kind of thought that they'd be able to do a lot better uh, than they did in the the reverse fixture, which obviously they were able to achieve. Um, obviously, that's even without star striker Patrick Schick. Um, and I think they got uh, their new signing Asmuna. Uh, well, a debut. He came on in like the last minute. But just obviously he's now back from injury, so they'll start to bring him back into well into the team. Um, so that obviously is good news for them. So it'd be exciting to see what he can do. Um, yeah, point gain for Leverkusen. Bayern again won't be displeased considering that is probably one of the final hurdles towards the to, to I was about to say the Champions League title there to the Bundesliga title. So yeah, a well earned point for both sides. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably say Leverkusen might be the happy, you know, because it would have been, a, obviously, with Dortmund's postponement, I mean, it would have been a great chance as a, probably the final kind of step towards the title if they had won this game, wouldn't it, you know? But, I mean, you know, Leverkusen proof that the, you know, Sione is improving them slowly but surely. It was a much, much improved performance from their home game against Bayern, that's for sure, you know. And as you say, both sides will feel as though they could have won this game, that's for sure. 
So let's move on to the uh, the next game, which is actually, yeah, it's, again, this is another one that, you know, most people wouldn't have considered would have made our top four, but it ended up being, you know, quality-wise, probably not the best game, but entertainment-wise, it was high up, I would say, you know. I mean, mm -hmm. it was a, a very kind of, you know, the, the game between the two sides who did get promoted to the Bundesliga last season, of course. The first meeting between these sides was... Both sides were in dire straits at that time. I remember Bolkham came into the match on like a five-match losing run and they managed to get like a scrappy 1-0 win at first. But obviously this time, you know, Bolkham coming into the game in a very, very different place and they knew that a win, they had 29 points coming into this game and a win would more or less guarantee them safety because they usually say like, you know, 34, 35 points is all you need to stay into the Bundesliga. And now they're up to 32 with this win. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would say first half was a little bit scrappy in most cases. You know, I think Furt did have a couple of decent shots through that man, uh, Labeling, who has been like really impressive recently. And I can see him getting a good move to stay in the Bundesliga if the likelihood happens and Furt do get relegated come May. He had a good game. Her go-to has also been pretty good, was causing a few problems down the flanks. But it was Bolcom who kind of went ahead with the first kind of big chance, really, I would say. It was it was a free kick from the uh, the right, the, the left side, actually. And it was a right-footed free kick from Poulter. Kind of hit like a mixture of the, the keeper saved it and it hit the post. But pretty fortunately, really, for Bolcom, let's be honest, the ball just kind of fell almost on the line, but just too far away from from goalkeeper um, Linda, and it was there for that man Leach uh, to just, like, tap home, basically. You know, I think for his first get goal of the season, yeah, it was the easiest goal he's ever going to score in his career, but it was obviously a massive goal in this kind of game to get the opening goal. Yeah, the rest of the first half, not really much happened, but obviously Bolkham went in in front. And then, Rory, what happened in the second half? Yeah, well, similar sort of trend, to be honest. Bolkham were, yeah, in control, pressing for that second goal. Uh, I think that um, the man you've already mentioned, Poulter, did have a few good opportunities um, up, up until around the hour mark. Basically, they, you know, they weren't able to, to make that game safe. So, Furt's obviously were growing in confidence as a result and, and then got a, a bit of a lucky, lucky break. It was a a nice crossing from uh, Tillman, uh, which managed to get all the way over to Hargurta and his first time volley back towards goal uh, ended up deflecting off uh, Bella Kotchup, who I think scored a few own goals this season, actually. Yeah. Uh, bless him, because um, he's one <laughs> player that I actually quite quite highly rate and he is a young, a young player, of course. But um, yeah, deflected beyond Ryman in there and that's 1-1. Uh, on around 64, 65 minutes. Um, so you then, obviously, as the home crowd, you might be thinking you're getting a bit nervous. Um, obviously, this victory might be taken away from them because it, you know, generally speaking, it had been all Bochum and they, you know, deserved to have their lead. But they only had to wait another seven minutes to retake the lead. Um, another bit of a messy goal. Um, uh, it was actually... Captain Losia, who who picked up a ball inside the area from a bit of a scramble again, uh, poked it home, um, yeah, obviously inside the area. Took, did take a deflection off um, substitute Abby Armour, but it was going on target. So the goal obviously stood with the captain of Balkan, uh to make it 2-1. And, and, you know, they fairly comfortably saw it out from there, um, obviously the, the win. So, yeah, huge, huge win for Balkan. They'll be absolutely... Uh, thrilled with that, given that, you know, that more or less secures their status as a Bundesliga team 
for a you know a second season, you know, sat in eleventh place, nine wins, um, you know, really impressive kind of effort so far, not really conceded many goals at all, like we said. Um, we thought they'd kind of mirror the efforts of, of Armenia Bielefeld from last season. And if you look at the table, it's it's very interesting because Bolcom have only conceded two more have conceded two more goals than Bielefeld, um, that obviously are significantly higher in the table, but it kind of mirrors that kind of image that they wanted to stay in games as long as possible and make sure they didn't concede lots like Foot have done, and it, it seems to have paid off. Um, so, yeah, really good win for Balkan, and they look like they've secured another season. Foot look like they're, yeah, unfortunately struggling, but... Yeah, they're still what six unbeaten at home since the turn yeah. of the year or something like that. So yeah, their form has been improved. Their yeah, their their away form has been abysmal. But you know that that's always going to be tricky when they're going away from home without any support and into these kind of cauldrons and these atmospheres that they've probably not um, experienced before. So a learning curve for of a season. Hopefully, if they do go down, they can bounce back up nice and quickly. Yeah, I mean, talking a little bit more about Bolcom's uh, home form, I was interested to see just how well they are doing. And just a quick look at the home table shows they're actually in sixth place through 13 games at home, which is just ridiculously impressive, you know, for a newly promoted side. We all know how much usually newly promoted sides struggle in the Bundesliga because there is a very big difference between the Spiter and the, the top tier of the Bundesliga but, I mean, sixth place with seven wins from 13 games. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. Only three defeats in those 13 matches at home, you know. And I think one of them was a very late defeat last week against Leipzig, wasn't it? So, I mean, they were a little bit unlucky to lose that one. They've just been absolutely brilliant at home. And they could get even better because, obviously, the fans are back in the ground. In Nordrhein-Westfalen, the kind of area where they have the likes of Dortmund, Leverkusen, yeah. I think full capacities are allowed again nowadays. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, in my beloved Bavaria, it's still 50% capacity, which is probably why you notice that Bayern and Augsburg and Fürth still don't have full stadiums at the moment. Mm -hmm. But it was great to see a few full grounds, uh, I think, in uh Bolkham Stuttgart had a very, very good crowd on as well on Saturday evening. You know, does seem as though we're slowly getting towards full stadiums again. And that's only going to help the likes of Bolkham, I think, you know, because they have a very solid home crowd. You know, they fill the ground when they're allowed to every week. It's a great thing for them. And, you know, they're going to be playing Bundesliga again next season. That's pretty much certain. So we'll just have to see how they can kind of develop because been a fantastic season for them without doubt as for Furt, you know this probably for me was the kind of last chance saloon for them really and i think they are gonna be playing the traders as fighter bundesliga team again next season despite a good effort in the last probably 10 12 games really i would say overall okay so yeah let's move on to uh, oh no sorry we've got to go to our bundesliga term of the week so over to rory <laughs> yeah we do uh indeed yeah just to break up a bit of um, match analysis and stuff, uh, just to have a bit more of a of a laugh. So, yeah, Bundesliga glossary A to Z time. Um, so, yeah, we're just running our way through the alphabet A to Z of uh, some Bundesliga terminology and, and kind of words that are used in association with the league, uh, things that you can maybe pick up and use around your friends uh, when we're talking, you know, when you're talking Bundesliga football, hopefully. So this week we're on to letter F and this one quite, you know, uh, scared me when when you see it on paper. So let's, let's get up now. Um, so, yeah, that's our word F. Uh, its definition is yo-yo team. So uh, I believe the pronunciation goes along the lines of 
Firstall Mineshaft. Um, so mm. Mark, obviously, the thing we know that Mineshaft is is a, a direct definition of team. So do you want to just run us through a bit more of the, the translation of that, if you can do? Yeah, for sure. I think this is the kind of word that, you know, for a lot of people that don't know anything about German, looks really quite scary, really, on paper, I think, you know. Yeah, but I think, Rory, I'll give you an 8 out of 10 for your pronunciation <laughs> on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Fahrstuhl Mannschaft, yeah. It literally means, it, it, it's correct that the uh, the translation is yo-yo team, but that's not actually the the word yo-yo isn't Fahrstuhl. It's actually an elevator or a elevator, lift. Yeah. The word Fahrstuhl means elevator. So, like, the German expression for this is, like, an elevator team, you know, which kind of logically makes sense because, you know, an mm-hmm. elevator goes up and down, and it's a team that kind of goes up and down through the divisions, you know. So, my beloved Nuremberg, for a long time, were considered to be a Fahrstuhl Mannschaft, actually. But, unfortunately, mm-hmm. for the last four years or so, they've been kind of in the wilderness of this fight of Bundesliga, unfortunately. So let's hope they can go back to being a Fahrstuhl Mannschaft within the next few years. That's that's the hope anyway, you know. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Another good word. Um, yeah, in the glossary, yeah, you can use that with your friends or to any German people that you meet. Or if you go across to the Bundesland, as they call it, and um, yeah, you can use your knowledge of the German language. So yeah, let's continue on with our, um, yeah, coverage then so yeah obviously the last two games of the weekend were the big high scoring games both five goals in these games but yeah obviously if you're a Hertha Berlin fan you know we're probably losing Hertha watches by the week aren't we at the minute because it just seems like every single week we're talking about a battering for Hertha Berlin you know I remember it wasn't long since maybe the beginning of December when we had the Hertha fan on from uh, the USA actually and we we were talking about how things were looking so positive for Hertha Berlin at that time Korkut have made a really, really good start to his time in charge. The team were playing well. They beat Dortmund in the last game before the Christmas break. But what's gone on since Christmas has just been a car crash, hasn't it? Literally, it's like it's now one point from eight games since the, the break, which is just abject. Uh, yeah. I don't have any other words to say. And most of the games have been batterings as well, let's be honest. And this was another battering against a Frankfurt side who found form after a pretty poor run themselves as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously the the main team news was that Lodka started again in net for um for Hertha. I think he's actually like the fourth choice keeper or something. Yeah, yeah it's certainly not. Yeah, it's been that kind of season for Hertha. Certainly since the break. Obviously, Mark Oliver Kemp started after his suspension as well, but it didn't make much improvement. And I think obviously up front, Dung Dong John Lee actually started ahead of Belfordil as well. Belfordil. I've always liked him, but he, let's be honest, he's not done very well the last four or five games. He was bench for this game. Yeah, I mean, as for the game, you know, I mean, the Hertha fans were not particularly confident coming into this one. After just 17 minutes, they already found themselves behind it. It's one of those brilliant crosses from Kostic, you know, a classic cross. This time, a more flighty cross. He often puts in the drilled cross low, mm-hmm. but this was a bit, had a bit more height, aiming for the head of Ansgar Knauf, who's actually kind of like a new man in the team. Obviously, started the game as a, as a fullback on the other side to Kostic, incredibly. Yeah, he got a really, really good head, which kind of looped up and above uh, Lodka. Not much he could do, really, into the back of the net. So, once again, 17 minutes on the clock and they're already behind. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Hertha did kind of harry a little bit. You know, Richter was looking quite dangerous. Toussaint back in the team, you know, for this game. was also a little bit industrious in the midfield. But ultimately, they went in the 1-0 down at uh, the break. And then Rory just got worse and worse, didn't it? 
Yeah, uh, um, that man that you mentioned, the goal scorer, Ansgar Knauf, uh, a lone e signing, obviously from Borussia Dortmund, plying his trade there for a little while and obviously looking for a few more, <clears throat> well, first team minutes in the Bundesliga here with Frankfurt. Um, and his good work um, led to um, a nice cross, which was headed back in by Ndicke, um to his centre-back partner, Tuta. To just tap home, basically that that was for uh, for two nil, um, and then soon after, unfortunately, the fourth choice goalkeeper Lotka probably showed why he isn't playing first team football right now. He didn't get he came out for a clearance, didn't make uh, proper contact, and Jesper Lindstrom uh, made uh, a fine effort chipping it over the keeper, rushing back uh, into his net um, from about thirty yards, curling it in over his head uh, to make it three nil. Uh, unfortunately, in that you know that was game over, wasn't it? Really, um, Davy Selke uh, came on and, and showed why. Well, maybe why uh, everyone perhaps rates him higher than me and Mark do because uh, he came on and and struck a really clean uh, volley uh, after a pretty average headed clearance um, by Frank for straight uh, straight in. Really nice contacts on that actually. So fair play to Selke um, gave her to a bit of hope. But that hope lasted around about two minutes as um, soon after Kamado was given the freedom of Berlin, basically running running at the uh, the Hertha defence, loads of time and space to pick out Rafa Bore, who, uh, who looks a lot more clinical now and a lot more calm and comfortable in a Frankfurt shirt. He cut inside the desperately defending Boyata um, to make it 4-1 at the near post and, and confirm what would be another fine, well, hammering for Hertha and a fine win for Frankfurt, exactly what they needed, um, obviously, as they've been dropping a little bit uh, and have been, you know, in parts quite impressed with Frankfurt. They looked in trouble early on in the season, didn't they? And then had a really good run getting themselves in the mix again for Europe and everything else like that. Then they've dropped off again recently. So this was a perfect game to get themselves restarted, scoring goals, getting confidence back into the players, you know, Kostic getting assists, Kamada getting assists, and obviously Rafa Bore getting getting an important goal for his confidence. So, yeah, all positives to take from this game for Frankfurt. Um, yeah, I mean, for her to, without massively giving away our talking point, if you've not already seen it on, on Twitter, we'll probably be talking a little bit more about them in a few minutes anyway. So I'll not go too much in depth into them. Um, just just a bit clueless, a bit helpless. Um, but yeah, I'll hold my tongue and just say, yeah, well well done to Frankfurt because um, with their form coming into it, you could have said it was quite a 50-50, 50-50 matchup. Um, but yeah, a really important win for them to, to help them maybe kickstart the rest of uh, their campaign with obviously eight, eight or so games to go. Um, but yeah, very entertaining watching for sure. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, you could see the happiness on Oliver Glasner's face at the end as well. He's been in, under a little, little bit of pressure recently, hasn't he? Because big things were expected from this Frankfurt side. I wouldn't say they've had a terrible season by any means. I think like they've at times they've looked really good, actually. Especially, you know, I mean, in, in this game was no different. They were way, way better than an admittedly poor Hertha side. You know, they, they've got good players. They've had good players, good performances this season, throughout the season. Christian Jakic was good. 
in midfield. Sal has also been solid, you know, and I think it's good to see Martin Hinterager as well. He's definitely coming back into some of the form that we saw last season after a disappointing first half of the season. You know, they got goals all over the pitch. Tuta gets goals and Dicker sometimes gets goals, you know. There's definitely something to play for. If they can put another run together like they did at the back end of last season, uh, last uh, the first half of the season when they put together six wins in seven, you know, I mean, they could still qualify for Europe, yeah. Because you've got to remember that seventh place, although that does also depend on the cup as well. So I think uh, if a team doesn't finish, if, for example, Union win the cup but they finish 10th in the league, they take that uh, conference league place. I think I'm not entirely sure how that works, yeah. Right. But it could be related to the Europa League as well. But definitely the cup this year could have an influence because obviously it's going to be a team that are not guaranteed to play uh, in the Champions League this year, you know. So that could definitely impact. But yeah, no reason why Hertha can't finish still in the, sorry, Frankfurt can't finish in the top half. Good performance. You just need to back it up and work on the home form a little bit more for them. Mm -hmm. I think. Okay, so yeah, moving on to the game of the weekend, yeah, and this is one that's going to bring a smile to Rory's face, that's for sure, you know, I mean, what a game, this was classic Bundesliga, full house in Stuttgart this weekend, brilliant atmosphere, you know, the fans, the ultras behind them, it's great to see, actually, that despite the season that they've had, obviously, uh, Pellegrino Matarazzo has been under a bit of pressure, but the fans still seem to be behind him, from what I can see. Certainly the match-going fans, you know, you're always going to get some of the fans online who are kind of, you know, a little bit cheesed off with proceedings, but definitely the match-going fans can understand they've had a bit of bad luck this season with injuries and maybe certain decisions haven't gone their way in games, you know, but yeah... This is the start of the comeback, I think, you know, but but what a strange game it was. I mean, the, the first half just looked like all Gladbach at first, didn't it? And they actually scored a really, really good opening goal, actually, yeah. Uh, it was good play between Player and Neuhaus. Brilliant assist as well from Neuhaus. Yeah. Beautiful pass with the outside of his foot, kind of chipping it over the defence. Player, probably not the best finish. You know, he's not always the best finisher at times, is he? But mm -hmm. obviously goalkeeper Florian Muller, who for me hasn't covered himself in glory this season at all for Stuttgart. Obviously replacing Cole Bell, who joined Dortmund. He made a bit of a poor effort, in my opinion, at saving it. And mm -hmm. the ball did kind of find the back of the net for 1-0 after 14 minutes. Then it was that man player. I think he was actually one of Runa's tips as well. Yeah, so he obviously had a really, really good game. Uh, for the fancy football players out there, you know, he turned provider this time for Marcus Turan, who's obviously having a bit of a resurgence in form, isn't he? At the minute, uh, yeah, obviously, he got on the end of a nice cross from playoff for, for 2 0. So, you're thinking, you know, it's going to be another long afternoon, isn't it, for the uh. The, the home side, but yeah, they actually got themselves right back in it just a few minutes after that second goal with kind of like a cross coming in. The keeper kind of got mixed up a little bit, didn't he, Sommer? Probably could have done a little bit better. It ends up falling nicely for that man, uh, Wataru Endo, for his second goal in two games, you know, so he's also coming back into form. Bit of a scrappy goal, really, which will frustrate Adi Huta in, in uh, obviously the Gladbach manager, but that was ultimately what kind of gave the passage for a very good second half from Stuttgart, Rory. Yeah, I did. Um, and I wasn't able to watch the game live, but I've seen quite a lot of extensive highlights of the game. And, and even the first half, to be frankly honest, um, like Gladbach, uh, Stuttgart started well, but ultimately Gladbach's quality came through. Like you said, the really good uh, interchange between player and Neuhaus, Neuhaus has got that quality, hasn't he, to unlock defences. 
Um, and the second goal, again, players come into a bit of form out of nowhere, really, and, and his assists have, have been very impressive as well. And, yeah, the the bit of luck at the end of the half where Endo, I think it's Ben Sabine, fluffs his yeah. clearance and it ends up with Endo, and, and that's the bit of luck that um, that ultimately uh, Stuttgart needed. Uh, into the second half, they got exactly what they needed and they got level really early on. Uh, it was some good play down the right-hand side, which um, it was basically a cutback that was blocked. It ended up falling to the feet of Sasa Kalajic. His effort was then also deflected off Ben Sabini again, uh, and it fell to the kind of lurking at the back post, uh, Chris Furick, uh, or Furick, um, who who's kind of did a diving header, and it wasn't actually the best diving header because he did put it quite central, but Sommer was so far over at the other end of the goal that he wasn't able to get across quickly enough. So obviously that makes it 2-2 uh, after like 51 minutes, I think, roughly. And then, you know, it, the game just became an open end-to-end kind of scrap for for the three points. Um, I think Florian Muller, as you say, Mark, hasn't... Yeah, I, don't, I agree. I don't think he's covered himself in glory in quite a lot of games. Obviously, he's probably faced a lot of shots and been quite busy as a keeper this season. But, yeah, I think certainly for the first goal, he probably should have done better. But this time, in the second half, he was able to stop a Neuhaus effort. Um, Jan Sommer managed to stop Thiago Tomas from quite close range. And then you're starting to feel that the game was kind of gathering momentum for a bit of a crescendo, a bit of a, you know, a big finish. And there was probably going to be a goal either way. And, and whoever got it was probably going to win. And and luckily enough, um, a bit of quality from Stuttgart uh, was, you know, put, pushed it the home side's way. Um, really impressive play by uh, Bjorn Sosa, showing his quality going forward. Uh, and he showed good strength to get to the byline, pulled it back to his his partner, his, you know, his pal, classicalizes that, that good old combo. <laughs> when I saw the, the goal and the assist come up on my phone, I assumed, oh, you know, lofted cross and header, but obviously it was a... It was a low drive, great touch by Kalajic out of his feet and, and bent it um, in from close range past Sommer to make it 3-2 and, and complete the comeback. Um, extraordinarily important win. Uh, and he, it was it was nervy towards the end, I believe, of the game as well for Stuttgart. They were really kind of defending with their lives. Um, but I think this, this win must give them so much hope and so much momentum going into some other big games for the rest of the season. They can see around them other teams are struggling and will be getting nervous and, and tetchy, seeing what, you know, the belief that now they may have. As I mentioned, that kind of front line of Kalajic, Tomas and, and Marmouche, if they can keep those three fit for the next eight games, I think they've got a great chance of opening up teams with, you know, with the likes of Sosa and Co getting forward from the fullback positions and that kind of pivot of, of Endo, you know, the captain doing what he does best. Uh, a lot of it will depend on how well they defend as well in games to come uh, because they can't keep on conceding at least two goals every game uh, because recently they haven't been scoring goals and that's why they've not won any games recently and been drawing games or losing leads. So, yeah, massive, massive win. Put a great big smile on my face on Saturday. I was chuffed that they got the win. Um, uh, that uh, and then on the sw- on the kind of other side of it, Gladbach probably about as Gladbach sort of performance as you get. Two 0 up, 
Um, you'd expect them to go see out the game, uh, having played okay against Wolfsburg the following uh, the week before. Um, play Ash in some really good form, uh, but defensively, Gladbach obviously asked, you know, have not showed up recently, uh, and that's why they're so inconsistent. Um, I think the one thing that you would challenge Gladbach to is just go on a bit of a run and not just be so up and down, up and down every single week. It must be exhausting uh, to be a fan of theirs. Um, so I can't see that particularly ending anytime soon. They're up and down nature. So it's just the privilege of being able to watch Gladbach and being entertained by them, I guess. But yeah, amazing game of football. Uh, I'm obviously absolutely chuffed that Stuttgart got the win and now give themselves a great chance of building on it. But they're still in serious trouble. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely entertaining, but they're, they're actually only uh, four points clear of the relegation zone at the minute as well. Obviously, the automatic relegation plays, so it's not looking good for Gladbach at all. And as you say, like they're entertaining to watch, but defensively, they're an absolute car crash, really, aren't they? Obviously, Ben Zabaini in this game was just not good enough at all, basically. And we've actually credited him quite a lot yeah. recently, haven't we? But he was just so poor in this match. And ultimately, it was his howler, really, that kind of got... Stuttgart back in the game and I think without that they'd probably have lost lost ultimately let's be honest but that's how it goes sometimes you know like um, sometimes that happens in football I guess okay so yeah let's uh, move on to the uh, the talking point now so Rory do you want to introduce that yeah absolutely um, so as we probably kind of half gave it away a little bit earlier mm -hmm. so um, obviously it's the Bundesliga boxes talking point of the week, and it does indeed involve the team that are somewhat in free fall. Um, something that I described and written about a little bit as well recently. But the question we're kind of posing to ourselves this evening is: Will will they survive relegation uh, without making a change of head coach? Um, so, uh, as we've already kind of described, they're they're now sitting in the relegation playoff spot in 16th place obviously following that really good and important win for Augsburg on Friday night in Bielefeld um, and so obviously Hertha haven't won a game uh, in 2022 uh, you know conceded a lot of goals um, and even interestingly this weekend uh, they managed to put a couple of experienced players together in the back line of Boyata and Kempf and if you're going to you know put a a team together for the rest of the season. I would have said those two are your first choice centre backs, but they both looked car crashing, you know, all over the place. Boyata in particular looked really rusty. Um, so, you know, that is not going well for them. So, if we're talking about do they need to make a change of head coach? So, obviously, the interim head coach right now is Tafen Corkutz, having taken over from um, Dardai, of course. Um, earlier on the season he's won two games out of his 13 so far in charge just in the 13 games that Corkut's been in charge of their average conceding over 2.6 goals a game been you know brushed aside by most teams in in recent times seem to have just thrown in the towel um yeah like a win percentage of 15.38 for Corkut so Mark, you know, like, do you know much about Corkut's history? Like, it looks like he's got um, previous with some Bundesliga teams, uh, but they seem to be quite brief spells from what my research has told me. So, I mean, does it does it look like the writing's on the wall for him? And 
if so who to her to even go for next yeah i mean to be honest i was waiting like all weekend for the news that he'd been sacked to be honest with you because i just think he's the recent performances have just been kind of unacceptable really haven't they let's be honest they've just been so so bad i just think like obviously this defeat was just yet another shocking result basically in a, the line of shocking results I, I wouldn't be surprised actually to see within some time this week that he is relieved of his duties i know obviously he is only a, a makeshift anyway like an interim manager but that's just a situation that her to find themselves in at the minute isn't it i mean yeah a little bit more about corkut yeah he was actually born in stuttgart in germany but like obviously he actually represented turkey as an internationally it was one of those in Germany they have some like dual national I think Ozil yeah. and Gundogan as well are those mm -hmm. kind of guys they actually have German and uh, Turkish citizenship so yeah. Korkut is another of the, those guys yeah he has actually managed quite a lot of clubs but as you say his record is far from exemplary do you know what I mean like his last job was actually at your boy Stuttgart where he just played a few yeah. games actually in 2018 so it's a good few years ago like football changes quickly doesn't it yeah. And, you know, he didn't exactly cover himself in glory there. But, it, yeah, some would say he did okay, but I think he was expected better, really, and he didn't do enough to get that job uh, longer than just the 10 months that he ended up managing them. Before that, he even had Leverkusen, where he completely carbotched that, you know. I mean, mm -hmm. he literally won two out of 12 games at Bayer Leverkusen, which is clearly not good enough for one of the top teams in Germany. Also messed up at Kaiserslaun, where he had a six-month spell as well, where he only won four out of 18 games. Hanover, he also had a only a 30% win record. It just doesn't read well, does it? But in, in this case, I'm not sure whether you can put all the blame on Corkut, though. You no. know? I just think the club is just a, the club is just in turmoil, and it's rotten to the core. To be honest with you, I'm not going to lie. Like a few weeks ago, you had like the owner that's pumped a lot of money and saying that he regrets putting the money in because of yep. the way that the, the the obviously Freddie Bobich, the sporting director, had spent it. It's just I can see what they're trying to do at Hertha. You know, they want to make a big capital club in Germany, and they, obviously they've got much more resources than Union Berlin to do. But at the moment, Union are winning the race, and they shouldn't be winning the race. When it comes to the resources, the stadium, they've got the biggest stadium in Germany. You know, they've got an 85,000 capacity stadium in the Olympiastadion. I don't know. There's just something rotten at that club. And I just think, yeah, of course, Corkut's got to go now, basically. But who do they replace him with? For me, they've got to get try and spend a bit of money and get like a real big name manager in, you know. Maybe it'll have to be someone like a Mourinho even. To, I don't think it will be Mourinho himself, but someone of that calibre, do you know what I mean? And they've just got to pay him like five, six million euros a year to just go in and sort him out, basically, because this head coach structure isn't working for them. It's as simple as that. And they're going through two, three managers a season at the minute. And it's just mm. not the way to build a club. And I'm very worried for them. They might even be playing Spider Bundesliga next season, to be honest. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, statistically, uh, at both ends of the field, they, you know, they are hurting themselves. So, you know, they've conceded the second most amount of goals uh, in the Bundesliga, obviously only behind foot. Um, they, I think they've um, also let's have a look. Uh, like and then going forward at the other end of the pitch, that they've not you know there's not scored many goals. Um, had the fewest amount of attempts that have hit the woodwork as well. Um, and so you know, and then if you kind of look into those two things, that statistically at both ends of the pitch you are not performing, then you are not going to win games of football. Uh, on top of that, they also have the third lowest uh, amount of 
possession in, in the Bundesliga with 44% of the ball. So it just goes to show that ha, in all areas, they are drastically underperforming. So, it, I mean, obviously a, the game of football is played on the pitch and is not won by statistics. But if you are in the bottom three of pretty much every negative statistic there is, then you will, as a result, be near the foot of the table. And and that is what Hertha currently are. Um, you know, signings to me are all very strange. Uh, I even questioned Jovetic, but he's done a decent job. But the injuries, obviously, for him, uh, are obviously a bit of an issue, but he's got six goals for them. He's their top goal scorer. If you take those out of the team, then I dread to think where they'd be um, because he's been the one kind of shining light. He pushes them forward. Um obviously an experienced player. So, yeah, maybe it's down to the more experienced players to to rally the team. Like you said, like I mentioned earlier, Boyata, Kemp's a Bundesliga level sort of player. Um, you know, some other players that have got to kind of step up as well. So we'll, we'll ultimately see where they end up towards the end of the season. But again, as we mentioned, they still got, I think they've got another four tough games in a row. Um, mm. although they do play Gladbach as one of them. But again, because Gladbach lost, I think they're playing them again this weekend. So, you know, the way that Gladbach work, they'll bounce back and play well um, and see Hertha as an opportunity to win. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's obviously got to be a change somewhere at the club. Um, as you mentioned, Mark, from the top down to the bottom, it all seems very strange. Maybe the appointment of Corker in the first place, with, with everything that we've said about his record, why, why was he brought in? Uh, obviously, we saw a bit of a bounce, you know, a brilliant result for them against Dortmund as well uh, in December, but everything else kind of points in the wrong direction for Corker. So for me, it looks like they need to make a change now or, or else I can't see them staying up at all. Um, so... If we're just to ask the question, I say they have to change the manager. I presume you're the same uh, in the same camp as me, there, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. I think they've got to because it's like the performances just haven't been good enough. If you look at the recent results, obviously four-one defeat at home to um, Frankfurt, then before that a three-nil defeat to Freiburg, a six-one defeat against leipzig a 2-1 defeat against greuter for that's just the last four games you know what i mean then they got their only point since christmas actually with the game before that with a one-all draw against bolcom you know which we were actually quite lucky to get a point in that one and then before that they got stuff 4-1 by Bayern. it's just oh it's just a complete car crash in there it really is like they're getting battered week in week out literally and it's just they have to change the manager you know they have to change the manager but even then i wouldn't say that a guarantee survival depending on who they get in i wouldn't be surprised if they even go back to dadai to be honest with you <laughs> yeah. the way they are i mean obviously he's a club legend and he, he did actually get he had a much better point record than what corkut has had since he came in so you mm -hmm. know maybe he wouldn't be the worst man to turn to Interesting stuff. Well, yeah, that pretty much brings a close to our talking point of the week. Um, hope everyone's enjoyed the show. Uh, and then, obviously, we're looking forward to Thursday's preview show. So, hope to see everyone then. Uh, but otherwise, uh, over to you, Mark, to close up your first ever show done from England's lovely shores. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, if you enjoyed the show today, check out at Over the Bar FB and at Over the Bar Extra. Then obviously remember to check out our main site as well, otbfootball.net, which is like the centerpiece of our work. 
And then also remember to like, comment, and subscribe below. Yeah, so obviously that helps us with the algorithm and it helps us to produce more and more stuff for you at this very, very busy stage of the season. So yeah, thanks a lot, guys, for joining us. As you say, my first and possibly uh, only review show in the UK that I'll ever do. <laughs> but yeah, it's been absolutely an absolute pleasure. Yeah, and I hope to see you all again uh, later on in the week. See you then, guys. Cheers, all.